welcome to She Thinks, a podcast where you're allowed to think for yourself. I'm your host, Beverly Hallberg, and on today's episode, Peyton McNabb joins us to share her personal experience of competing against a biological male athlete in high school. She'll explain how her life forever changed following an injury during the game, including dealing with significant long-term physical damage to this day. Peyton McNabb is an IWF ambassador and a marketing intern and desires to speak out so that women's sports stay female. Peyton, thank you so much for speaking out on this issue and for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Now, I do know that you recently graduated from high school, but can you just tell us a little bit about where you're from and what sport you played, I'm assuming all through high school and perhaps even prior to that? Yeah, so I'm from Western North Carolina. I'm from a very rural community. Um, I played three sports in high school and pretty much my whole life. I played volleyball, softball and basketball. So I was a three sport athlete since I could walk and that's pretty much been what's consisted of my whole life. <laughs> and and so are you playing any of those sports now that you're in college? I'm not. You're not. So it was something that you did all growing up all through high school. And I know where you sustained your injury was playing volleyball in a high school tournament. At what grade were you in when you first competed against a biological male in volleyball? So in 2019, they passed a law that the transgender athletes could participate in North Carolina. And I was a freshman in 2019. So um, it started right from the beginning. I've always played against them my whole high school career. And it's always been just the same, just as challenging. When, when that was changed, when that the law and therefore then the rules were changed, did a coach talk to you, anyone at your high school talk to you about competing against men? Or did they think because it's volleyball that there wouldn't be a, a major issue, maybe as there may be in more high contact sports? So what's weird about it is when um, he started playing for his school, um, he was homeschooled all before, so he just um, transferred to a public school to play sports, like right when the law passed. So, you know, that was something that m me and the rest of my team and whole community never thought we would have to run into, given where we live. And um, it was always, like, so weird. No one really said anything about it. Everyone saw it, of course, and it was really obvious. But we all just kind of didn't know what to do, and you kind of freeze in that situation. And yeah. again, not ever expecting that to happen to us. That definitely took a toll on it. And so why don't you take us to that day where you were injured? Uh, I'm assuming you were in some type of tournament, some type of school competition. What took place? Yeah, so they are a part of our conference. Um, so we had to play them. We can't just refuse the game. Like a lot of people were saying that we should have. Um, but we we couldn't refuse the game since it was in our conference. So we went into the game. It was a kind of just the same thing for me. I was just kind of like, what's going on? Like, why is this allowed? Um, but I was kind of used to it at that point. And seeing the younger players on my team, all the freshmen, we had a really young team last year, seeing them step on the court for the first time playing against a male, it was, it was really heartbreaking seeing them like that they were terrified and it didn't make things any better seeing what happened in the middle of the game so that's for sure yeah it, it, tell me about you say the freshmen were terrified is it just 
is it just innate where you see a man playing and you think uh, if he spikes the ball, I don't know what's going to happen or what, what is the fear of? Yeah. The fear of seeing how severe he would hit the ball. Um, we didn't see any other female athlete perform that way in any of the teams that we played. Um, he really carried their team. So it was really, I mean, it would have been obvious anyway, but it was extremely obvious because I mean, he was the best player on the team. Um, so seeing how, you know, how he could block every little thing that came over, how he could crush the ball, it just wasn't something that we were used to. So seeing his strength and, you know, his height and everything that comes along with it, that was definitely um, taunting. And is he significantly taller than the women who were on the court, either on his team or on your team? He wasn't like a Leah Thomas, uh, but he he definitely was taller. I mean, he was a taller player for sure. Um, we had tall players on our side as well, but obviously they didn't have the same vertical as him. Yeah, so he's able to jump higher, I'm assuming able to spike the ball more strongly, all, all those type of things, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And so take us to the specific injury itself. How did you get injured? So going to um, cover the block and get the tips, I was severely hit in the face and it caused me to go unconscious for about 30 seconds. I was lying in a fencing position and um, everyone that swarmed me didn't really know what I was doing. So they were trying to push my legs down and my arms, but they would just come back up. And if, you know, another word for that is posturing, and it's just how the body reacts to a brain injury. Um, so I was out for about 30 seconds. I, after I came to, the trainer asked me, you know, do you know what just happened to you? And I responded with, yeah, that boy just hit me in the face. So he was kind of taken aback by that comment. He rushed me off the court. He did one little quick exam on me, and he said I was good to go and could go back in to play. Um, Thankfully, my coach and my athletic director did not let that happen because who would have known what would have happened if I went back in. And then fast forward a few days, I had to go to my primary doctor. Well, we were going to go to the hospital that night, but um, the protocol for a concussion in North Carolina, I think they just tell you to wait a few days to see how bad it gets before you go to the doctor. And it just kept getting more severe by the day. Um, so I went to my primary doctor. She immediately referred me to the neurologist. And, um, yeah, I just went from there. They told me everything that was wrong with me and um, pretty much just proved how severe my injuries were. So what did what did what were they able to find when they did? I assume they did some type of brain scan or figured out the pressure in your head. I'm assuming there were a lot of different tests. How severe was the injury to your head? So my head was severely swollen. I actually had to get my glasses retightened um, later on because it had stretched my glasses frames like so far. Um, so yeah, my head was severely swollen. I had a small brain bleed and then a concussion that came along with it that just made me suffer from a bunch of things that I'm still trying to get through today. I have cognitive issues, vision problems, um, you know, school is a lot harder than it was before and it's ever been for me. So I'm having to get extra help at school, which is really frustrating. And 
you know, there's just a lot of things that come with that. I also have permanent whiplash, which sucks, but I go to the chiropractor weekly to kind of get that figured out. So it definitely messed up my body and it's still trying to get back to how it was. So in other words, it's not that there, there's not a day that goes by where you're not dealing with some type of fallout or effect, I should say, over this injury, mm-hmm. correct? Absolutely. It might be small things, but it still is really like impacting my life. Absolutely. No, major things. Like even you're saying struggling to concentrate when you have brain injuries like this, it affects you in so many ways. Um, Going back to, to the injury itself, when you woke up after being unconscious for 30 seconds, you said that boy hit me or when they asked you, do you know what happened? Was it that he hit the ball and the ball hit your face? Did his hand come over the net? What what were you hit with? The ball. Yeah, the I ball. wasn't I wasn't blocking. I'm not tall enough to even touch the top of the net. So it's never um, I've never blocked and I was the setter. So I was just in that position to get tips because that's what's worked for every other team that we played. Um, but it didn't work for you, that one, obviously. Do you have any idea how fast the ball was going when he hit it? Is there is there any way to tell? Um, It was about 70 miles per hour. Wow. And I'm really surprised that somebody had to step in on your behalf, the coaches, that you were told by the the medical personnel there, I forget how how you referred to that individual as, do you think that there was a reason why he or she said, go go back into the game, you're fine? I mean, that just seems ridiculous if you're unconscious, and especially when you said your limbs were, were going up. Is it that there was fear that it would come back on this boy who was playing against you? Yeah, I think that has something to do with it. Um, I know like from the past, you know, getting, getting like a sprained ankle or like turning your ankle or whatever that the trainer always tells you, you know, just might as well just sit out for the rest of the game, especially when it has something to do with your head. Right. Um, so I think it was definitely something that would have caused him to have that reaction. And, and so I know you've talked about the physical injuries that you've sustained. What about some of the mental aspects of this? I'm sure that this isn't just physical. Is it, how is your anxiety, depression, anything along those lines based on this? Yeah. So that's probably been the hardest thing for me to get through. I've never been someone that's really suffered from anxiety or really depression. I just like haven't I don't know (laughs) and uh through this I've experienced it a lot more and it's been really really hard for me and I've you know reached out and tried to talk to people about it and my family and my friends have been super supportive of me and helpful in any way they could so they're really helping me with that and which I'm forever thankful for because I just you know it's been really hard to try to go through this because you know, again, that's not something that I've had to really deal with in the past. Is there anything that you heard from the school or for the, from the other team or from this boy himself? Any apologies, acknowledgements, any help with medical bills, anything along those lines? No, there's been no help from the school. Um, they kind of just, I don't know. I, I went to the volleyball game because our girls this year, actually won conference for the first time in four years and I think that's like you know not really a coincidence first time in four years they haven't had a boy on their team but um 
or I went to that game and it was just kind of weird. Like the tension was weird. Um, the player, individ- the individual, he did reach out to me and it was about a week after I spoke out for the first time in April. Um, he just sent me a little message on Instagram and there was no remorse. It was no sympathy. It was just a little rude comment and really not an apology, it. but something no. rude. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Um, so let's go to you speaking out. So I know that in, when was it in April? I think you said you testified before the North Carolina general assembly, uh, alongside someone who we've had on this program, Riley Gaines. She's an advocate mm-hmm. as, as for the passage of the fairness and women's sports bill. What, how did you get connected with IWF and why did you decide to speak out? So it all kind of happened in a blur. My parents, said they weren't going to force me to do anything I didn't want to do. Um, I knew it was the right thing, so that's why I um, pursued it. But, you know, they said I was, they were going to wait till I was 18, and then they would let me decide. So people were trying to figure out who I was for months and get any leak that they could on the story, but no one was saying anything. And then um, NC Values actually reached out to me, and – they met with me before and they kind of helped me get there and everything. And uh, I, that's when I spoke out for the first time was with them. And they were, they're still, they still are. They're incredibly helpful and I love them so much and everything they do for me. So they reached out to me first and that's when I spoke up. I didn't realize it was going to blow up the way that it did overnight, but I knew that I had to speak up right then because the bill was trying to get through. So I did, and I wouldn't have been able to do it if it wasn't for the Lord, because he got me through that. And um, I spoke up, and then IW just kind of pulled me in. Uh, Raleigh was already with them, and they're a great program as well, and I'm very blessed to be a part of their team. One of the things I've realized as I've spoken to women who've experienced competing against men or a situation where there may be men and women's spaces is at first when you speak out, obviously it's, it's a step of courage and bravery and you're really not sure what to expect, but the common refrain I hear from anyone who has chosen to speak out is they get so many more people thanking them than they get of those rude comments. Has that been your experience as well, that there's been more positive feedback and people thanking you for speaking out versus those who are saying something hostile to you? Yeah, absolutely. I always say that because the amount of support is overwhelming compared to the hate comments. And then when you see the little hate comments and messages, I mean, they just don't make any sense half the time. So it really doesn't bother me. (laughs) Yeah. What do you think when somebody says that you're discriminating against people, that you're a transphobic person? What do you say in response or what do you think? How, How do you handle those comments? So this really has nothing to do with that. It's really a pro-women issue, and I'm pro-women. I think women should have just as much opportunity, and, um, you know, I'm not saying anyone can't participate in a sport. No one's saying that anyone can't play. They're just saying that you need to stay in your, I guess, like, lane and (laughs) – just so everyone is safe. I mean, it's just this, it's a fairness issue. It's a safety issue and it's a common sense issue. I don't really know what else to say to that. Yeah. I mean, it it seems so 
obvious to to so many of us. Um, but I know one of one of the comments that that you hear, and you even see this with NCAA and a lot of their guidelines, when you have a male who's received cross-sex hormones, they're tested for their testosterone levels, and they're only allowed to compete if their testosterone is a certain level. Um, but I would argue that and you can share anything that that you want to share on it it doesn't change their height if they've gone through pu puberty as a male it doesn't change their height their lung capacity their muscle strength i'm assuming not many women can hit the ball as hard as he hit it when it hit your face correct yeah absolutely um before i touch on that i do need to mention the men's volleyball net is seven inches higher um for a reason yeah so just put that out there but <laughs> i did not the... know that thank you that's helpful to know yes <laughs> yes <laughs> so that plays a part into it but i think it does not matter how many hormones you take you will never be a woman um it's just not the way you were made and i hate to break it to you but that's just the way it is um the, bo the bone structure will never it'll never change your size of your hands will never change the size of your lungs will never change so you know it it really doesn't matter and i honestly don't think that they're testing for the testosterone like they say they are um but i don't know that for sure but that's just my opinion and even if they are it will never change that they're what not you, a man what do you foresee your medical care and costs being like in the future for you so it's already been incredibly expensive um we're barely able to afford it and we're we're not doctor people because my dad is a paramedic so we never like really went to the doctor and now we're having to go all the time and so that's been a really big change for me as well um so all of that and all the bills and the chiropractor appointments that all does add up but yeah i do need to take care of myself so it's okay yeah. And just final question for you. Uh, where do you see yourself going from here? Are you majoring in anything that's going to lead you to continue to be a spokesperson? Or is this just something you're going to be doing on the side and speaking out to help women when you can? So I'm actually majoring in marketing. So uh, nothing really like in the political world, because I'm not a politician. I'm just um, speaking the truth and, you know, the truth of my story and what happened to me. And Whatever God's plan is, I mean, I never thought I would be doing this. That's for sure. Uh, this is really funny, but um, I've only failed one class in my life, and it was public speaking. So <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely not what was on my agenda. But the Lord said um, <laughs> it is. So I'm just going to do whatever He leads me to do, and hopefully help as many girls as I can. I'm very blessed that North Carolina has taken the step to you know, protect the women in my state and my sister and my cousins, my teammates, my future daughters, they're not going to have to worry about it in North Carolina. So all glory to God. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm just going to keep pushing until um, not one other female athlete's going to have to worry about this. Well, you can send this episode to your public speaking teacher who failed you just to, to show him or her what you're doing today. But we really do appreciate you sharing your story. Of course, all of us wish you a full recovery for God to heal you, for um, you to continue to thrive in life and, and just 
for for the pain, for the cognitive struggles, and just even for the anxiety and depression that comes along with it for that to be alleviated. So we we pray that for you. And I just thank you so much for being part of IWF as one of our ambassadors and speaking out. And also thank you so much for joining She Thinks Today, Peyton McNabb, IWF ambassador. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you all for joining us. Before you go, IWF does want you to know that we rely on the generosity of supporters like you. And investment in IWF fuels our efforts to enhance freedom, opportunity, and well-being for all Americans. So please consider making a small donation to IWF by visiting IWF.org backslash donate. That is IWF.org backslash donate. Last, if you enjoyed this episode of She Thinks, do leave us a rating or review. It does help. And we'd love it if you shared this episode so your friends can know where they can find more She thinks. From all of us here at IWF, thanks for watching.